Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back inside the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast, episode 101, coming to you live this week. Uh, we celebrated episode 100 last week, and here you are back with another one here. Zach Follador, Zach Vanuenzi here, as always, breaking down the week that was here in the MAC. We talked about it last week, Danzi. It's that time of year, right, where uh, you know college baseball, well, the College World Series is, is uh, finishing up here over the next couple of days, or I think it goes into this weekend, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and then... From here on out, though, Vansy, I mean, we're, we're just kind of waiting around for football. Got some other things on the radar here, but uh, it's, you know, it's those dog days of summer, man. How are you? How are things up in Michigan? Well, things up here in Michigan are pretty warm. You know, I uh, right about now, I would, you know, love to have a, uh, you know, I don't know, eastern Michigan, Toledo type night where it's like 40 degrees and, and rainy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm, I am sweating buckets over here. Um, and we we're talking a little bit before the show. And, uh, man, our, our, you know, our count, you know, our show count keeps going up. Um, unfortunately, you know, it just it doesn't go up as high as that, as quick or as high as the gas prices. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A lot of people having to throw $100 into their tank here uh, recently with the price of gas going up. I know we were, yeah, we were talking before the show. I think we're up, we're up over $5 a gallon here in Pittsburgh. It's, uh, it is crazy, crazy time, crazy times to be alive. But, hey, you know. Like I said, Vansy, football is only two months, little over two months away. That to me is always kind of like a calming presence, right? I always know I have that. Inflation cannot take away our college football season that's coming up here in a couple months. However, Vansy, before we get to some football talk here to close out the show tonight, uh, wanted to uh, open up the show here with uh, something that's a little bit more timely, a little bit more pertinent. Obviously, this week is the NBA draft. If you're listening to this on Thursday uh, when it gets released, um, the, the NBA draft is tonight, 7.30 Eastern on ESPN. And uh, here in the MAC, we do have one player who is widely expected and, and, and will, by all accounts, be selected in the draft here uh, this week. And that is Ryan Rollins from Toledo, last year's MAC Freshman of the Year. This year, uh, first team All-MAC uh, led Toledo in scoring with about 19 points a game, six rebounds, three and a half assists. Vansy, you see some different uh, mock drafts that have come out here over the last week or so with, you know, they have all the most up-to-date information. It seems like these are kind of like the final final go-rounds of their mock drafts before the draft itself actually gets here. And three of the prominent mock drafts that we, we looked at here all have him getting drafted in the second round. ESPN has him going 46 to your Pistons. And also, I, I think that would be cool, uh, not only not far from Toledo, but, I mean, he grew up in, in the Detroit area. You also got uh, Yahoo Sports has him going 41st to the Pelicans. Sporting News has him going 42nd to the Knicks. And, Vansy, this is something we've been talking about, you know, in the past. Last couple of times we talked about Ryan Rollins. He seems to be kind of in that – 
early to mid second round area. Uh, he attended the, the NBA draft combine last month and acquitted himself pretty well there. There were some thoughts that maybe he could sneak up into the first round. It does seem like he's going to get drafted somewhere there in the second, though. Regardless, though, I mean, I still still great to see another guy from the Mac potentially getting drafted here. Yeah, um, you know, and then uh, Preston last year, and you didn't really get the chance to see him because he was injured for uh, almost all the season. So, you know, kind of a good moment for the Mac. And we've talked before that who knows when it'll happen again with the transfer portal and some of these players transferring out and going to greener pastures or, you know, just flat up, you know, hey, I'm going to go overseas and make some money. So, you know, Ryan Rollins, the opportunity to have kind of somewhat of a banner day uh, for the Mid-American Conference in uh, the, the Toledo Rockets uh, program. I mean, you know, I off the top of my head, I have no idea who the last Toledo Rocket was um, to be drafted. So, you know, this will be a good moment for them. It should happen. It seems like it's going to happen. Um, you know, it seemed like at one point he was kind of trending towards the mid-first round. And then I think, you know, when people started to kind of dive into his game, I think the problems are the things that hold back his game really kind of show, you know, came out, um, you know, I think defensively, uh, John Hollinger uh, for the athletic wrote a great piece. And he said, you know, you can tell a lot about a defender by how far off they play their man. And Rollins really played off his guys. Mm. You know, he wasn't really up on them. And in the defense left a lot to be desired. So did the three point shooting. But those are things that it can be you can coach three point shooting. You can, you know, you see big men who are now learning to shoot threes um, and you can improve the defense and things like that. Uh, John Hollinger, again, from the athletic, he had said something, um, you know, very kind of complimentary about, about Rollins saying, Hey, he's my sleeper pick, you know, as far as a shooting guard in this draft. So he's somebody who, once he gets into a camp, gets some developmental time, I don't think year one's going to be his year, but he should be drafted. He should get an opportunity. Um, probably going to ride that shuttle back and forth between a G league and, and an NBA team. And, uh, you know, uh, and but also the second, you know, there's still that chance at the first round. The second round, though, once you're in the second round, nobody really knows what is going to happen um, yeah. because it just gets crazy because you have all the European guys. Um, Jason Capono several years ago, I, I mean, probably a couple decades ago now, kind of dating myself, said that he would have went higher in the draft when he came out of UCLA if his name was Jason Caponovich. You know, um, that that was a classic quote. So, you know, you never really know once you get to the second round, because it's not necessarily the best player. It's more about stashing guys overseas, getting an extra year of development. But Ryan Rollins should be drafted um, a fringe first round guy, but he should be solidly locked into a second round. Yeah. And it's, you know, you, you make some good points about, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the hesitations on him or maybe the reasons why he isn't being looked at right now anymore as a first round pick. You mentioned that, you know, the defensive uh, ability where the effort seemed to be a little bit inconsistent. And then also, you know, the, the outside shot where, you know, you look at his two seasons uh, over two seasons at Toledo shot almost 300 three pointers across two seasons shot 278 threes over two years, only made about 31% of those. So certainly those are some things that NBA teams would like to see him improve upon. However, I think to your other point, part of the reason why he's so intriguing, such an intriguing prospect to, uh, to, to, to NBA teams is because even if some of these things are, are concerning the, the shooting, the defensive efforts, even though those things are there, 
so are the raw tools. So is the athleticism to be able to improve upon those things. And you think a lot of times, especially in the second round of the draft, where a team is drafting a player, not, not only on intangibles and what they've done, but also on their potential to see what they could develop into. And it seems like Ryan Rollins certainly fits that category. And, you know, you mentioned Vanzi, you know, a lot of guys that get drafted in the second round, they end up, they end up in kind of that like two-way contract uh, situation where they're going back and forth from the, the G league to the NBA. And even in the case like that though, Vanzi, that's not the end of the world. If I'm wrong, you know, I, I looked this up earlier, a, the minimum value of an NBA uh, two-way contract is $82,000 a year. You get called up into the, uh, into the NBA. Uh, there's the 45 day maximum period you can spend in the league and the potential for that, uh, the potential value for that contract, but depending on how much you get called up is almost 500 grand. So, I mean, even, even if he's getting 82 grand a year, let's say worst case scenario, he doesn't spend a day with, uh, with, with his parent club, whoever it ends up being 82 grand as a 20 year old coming out of college. I think a lot of people would take that. Yeah, I mean, that's probably better than, you know, almost any nine to five job, you know, I oh, mean, yeah. oh, I mean there's, yeah. there's probably some out there, you know, looking at you business majors and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I think that's, that's a pretty good return on investment. Cause one, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm assuming, I, I don't know the facts, but two years at Toledo likely doesn't have a degree and you're coming out making 82 grand. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a pretty solid day. Um and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, this is, this will be a guy who'll be fun to watch. You know, I think his development, I think people may kind of see it year one and kind of get discouraged potentially depending on what his role is, you know, there's still a chance he goes in the first round uh, in the, in the draft. Um, it just kind of, you know, kind of depends, um, you know, if a team has fallen in love with him, you know, when you get into kind of that late round and you see the develop, you know, late first round, the developmental traits, but uh, you know, he's somebody, you know, his development, not, you Kind of reminds me, I don't want to say Jordan Poole because Jordan Poole is a shooter, but Jordan Poole year one, everybody said, okay, kind of, you know, this guy, he can't do it. You know, they wasted that pick. Well, now Jordan Poole's kind of one of the linchpins for an NBA championship team. Um, granted, Jordan Poole could shoot, so maybe not the best comparison, but in the NBA, outside of the lottery, and even sometimes in the lottery, it's real hard to judge these guys by their first year. Um, you know, look at uh, Stanley Sugarman from the movie Ballers. You know, there's yeah. there's no, no no slam dunks out there. You know, no no Boa Cruz. Man, I did not expect a Ballers reference here tonight, but they, but but here we are. So, Vansy, I, I got to ask you just your own personal feeling here. I mentioned you know that the ESPN mock draft has Rollins going to the Pistons. Your Pistons. Uh, what, what do you think the, the, the fit there would be plugging him into that young lineup, Cade Cunningham, Marvin Bagley, uh, Carson, some of these other guys, what, what would you, what would you think about that? Would you be happy with Ryan Rollins as a second round pick as a Pistons fan? Oh yeah. It'd give me another rooting interest. Um, you know, and I mean, I, I don't know how much you would see the court, uh, behind Cade Cunningham, yeah, um, yeah. you know, but yeah, I mean, I think it'd be, it'd be cool. The G league team is right there. Uh, kind of an interesting now, I mean, and I could see it happening because, the Pistons have maybe more ties to the Mac than almost any other school because you have uh, the former EMU coach, Rob Murphy is the general manager, assistant general manager, of Detroit Pistons, the general manager of the ah, G league. Yeah. So, you know, he probably coached against Ryan Rollins, um, you know, during the, during his time at Eastern Michigan, probably familiar with recruiting him. I could see it happen. Um, you know, it kind of, you know, uh, one 
gigantic melting pot of, uh, you know, Maction uh, or Mac hoops, you know, that'd be cool to see. Um, yeah, I, I would like it. I think it's kind of player of the Pistons would target. Honestly, though, I think when you see a mock draft and you get into the second round, you have no idea what those teams are going to do because a yeah. team offers, you know, I mean, I follow the draft pretty heavily, but a team offers, you know, a few, you know, thousand dollars or whatever they're selling their pick, you know? So like, I guarantee you when you look at that draft order, it's going to be so different. It's so hard to say, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it was Ryan Rollins. And I would say, you know what? somewhat similar to I don't want to go crazy but somewhat similar to the style of play that Cade Cunningham has um Cade Cunningham's you know three point shots coming out a little bit more but kind of that cerebral hey I you know I can pass I can get to the rim um you know Cade Cunningham obviously a lot longer you know you're talking a first overall pick and then you're looking at um uh you know the potential second rounder here but I could see the fit there yes yeah Cool. Interesting. Again, it would be a really cool story for Ryan Rollins too, having grown up in the Detroit area, heading home to play for the Pistons. So regardless, we will see. Um, and again, this uh, if you're listening to this episode uh, on Thursday when it came out, the NBA draft is taking place tonight, 7.30 on ESPN. So go ahead and tune in there if you're interested in seeing where, uh, where Ryan Rollins is going to ultimately end up as he starts his professional career. Let's shift into some football talk here, Vansy. Vansy, we talked last week about the, the regular season win totals that had been released by DraftKings. Uh, you know, if you're interested, if you're if you're inclined to throw a couple dollars, uh, place a couple wagers on, on some football bets, then uh, that, you know, that's kind of the spirit of it there. We talked about the, the win totals for each of the 12 teams in the MAC. Kind of related here this week, Vansy, Circus Sports uh, re- uh, released the, the conference champion uh, odds uh, for every conference in America, obviously the Mac included in that. So um, this is a little bit different than the win totals. This isn't necessarily how many games are they going to win in the season, but each t- team's chances to win their respective conference. So wanted to break this down a little bit on the show and talk through some of this here, Vansy. The, uh, it seems like this is an annual thing. It seems like we have this conversation every year, but according to these odds, tell me if you've heard this before, Toledo is the favorite to win the Mac championship this year. The Rockets at four and a half to one, uh, to, to win the conference second. Now this, this surprised me here a little bit, Vansy. There are three teams tied for second place at five and a half to one Miami, Northern Illinois and Kent state. Kent State really surprised me, given the fact that they lost Dustin Crum and, and some other pieces. Also, the fact that their you know their defense couldn't stop a nosebleed last year. Then you have um, behind those three teams, you have Central Michigan at six to one, Western Michigan at right around eight to one, uh, Ohio at ten to one, Eastern Michigan at twelve to one, Ball State at twenty to one, Buffalo at twenty-two to one, Bowling Green at fifty to one, and Akron at sixty to one rounding out the pack there at the bottom. Vansy, what do you think about this? Any initial reactions from your perspective? Yeah, when I look at it, I think what they kind of did here is you have, you know, Toledo and then you have Kent State. I think when you look at Kent State, they're coming out of the Mac East. Yeah. So I think they're kind of looking at it as like, okay, well, what team do we have winning the Mac East? That's a very Um, good point. Yeah, that's a very good point. I kind of feel like this far out, they haven't put a lot of research in it because I don't think most anyone would take Kent State 
Um, but I guess they do have Kent State tied with Miami of Ohio there or Miami University. I would go probably Miami University. I think Miami looks pretty good. But also they got Ohio a lot higher than what I would. And I have to imagine that that is, uh, you know, I'm not a big Tim Elbin guy. I would imagine that that is a byproduct also of playing in the uh, the Mac East. Um, I don't yeah. get the, you know, but then, but if I'm using that logic, I don't get how you fade Buffalo, you know, yeah. while white, while liking Kent state and Ohio. Um, I would think those odds would be closer. Um, Bowling green and Akron makes sense. And then, you know, my Eastern Michigan Eagles, I got them finishing third in the Michigan Mac. I, you know, I, you know, I, Vansy, we, we talked about this last week. I'll say it again this week. I, I don't understand all due respect to Western Michigan. I do not understand the, the uh, I don't know if optimism is, is the right word, but the outlook that I see for the Broncos here sometimes. I mean, last week we were talking about win totals. I believe they were, they were lined at six and a half there. So essentially that is saying that it is expected that Western Michigan goes to a bowl game this year. But when I, when I compare the rosters of Western Michigan and Eastern Michigan right now, thinking about what Western Michigan lost and um, also the fact that I think Eastern Michigan has a far superior coach to, to the Broncos. I don't see, I like in my mind, if I would have been making this list, I probably would have had Eastern Michigan and Western Michigan flipped. I know you're probably biased in this conversation, but I think most people observing the Mac would probably say the same thing. Yeah, I'd agree. Or I would at least have it, uh, you know, what you got, you know, that you look at the odds, I would at least had it closer. You know, I think you yeah. could put, almost put all three Michigan Mac schools. I put central kind of at their odds that they got, but then Ohio and Eastern, I think are a lot closer. I mean, excuse me, Western and Eastern are a lot closer. Um, you know, I would switch maybe Eastern with Ohio. I mean, it just, you know, I don't know if I agree with all that. Um, but again, I guess, you know, I mean, historically I wouldn't put any sum of money on Eastern Michigan to, to win the Mac. I mean, I think, you know, I know disrespect. I love that program. A lot of respect for the people there, but it's been a six, seven win program. It hasn't taken that next step to making a Mac championship or to winning a Mac championship. So I guess I can see those odds there. Um, I do think a lot of this is somewhat reputation, you know, Western yeah. central, you know, I think Central's deserving. I would probably go Toledo, Central, Northern Illinois, Miami, Eastern, Western. But, you know, I mean, I that's why I'm here and not in Vegas, you know. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, Vegas always knows, right? That's the saying. I think, man, I, I look at these odds here. Anyone out there, I mean, if you're if you are in again, if you're inclined to put a couple dollars on a on a college football futures bet here, man, I, Vansy, I don't know. Central Michigan at six to one here, given what they have coming back, and given that they have one of the best coaching staffs in the in the conference, uh, that certainly seems like that would be a a a, a reasonable wager to make. Uh, if, if, if I was the one, you know, if I was going to put a couple dollars down here, but again, we'll see. Toledo, it seems like it's the they get the the nod every year. They're the preseason champions every year. It seems at, at least since the, you know, 2017 when they won their last Mac title, we'll see if they can finally live up to it this year. They certainly have a lot of reasons for optimism there too, with Daquan Finn coming back and some of the other uh, play, players that they have on that roster, certainly still a talented roster. It's just going to be a matter of whether or not they're going to be able to put it all together. 
Speaking of Central Michigan here, Vansy, to, to close out the show uh, this week, uh, on the other end of this commercial break, we are going to be joined by Christian Boer, who is the uh, the sports editor for uh, Central Michigan Life, which is the student-run newspaper up there in Mount Pleasant. Christian is going to join us to talk a little bit about the outlook for the Chippewas this season. Greg McElwain entering his fourth year at the helm uh, there in Mount Pleasant. Uh, Central Michigan coming off a nice nine-win season last year. So we'll uh, be joined by Christian on the other end of this commercial break to talk a little bit about the outlook for Chippewas football this coming fall. Stick around, and we'll be back with Christian on the other end of this commercial. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Thank you for sticking around. As I mentioned before the commercial, to uh, close out the show this week, we are joined by Christian Boer, who is the sports editor uh, at CM Life, which is the Central Michigan student uh, newspaper uh, there on campus in Mount Pleasant. Christian, thanks you so much for joining us here tonight, man. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be a blast. I'm a huge fan of what you guys do. Um, So thank you for allowing me to be a part of your show tonight. Uh, we appreciate that, man. We appreciate that very much. So, um, so to get the ball rolling here, uh, Chris, I wanted, wanted to start with kind of just, I guess, a, a big picture type of question here, right? We're entering year four under Jim McElwain up there in Mount Pleasant, coming off a nine-win season, a Sun Bowl victory over a Power Five team. A lot of talent returns this year, but you got some key pieces that have graduated as well. Generally speaking, up there in Mount Pleasant and around the fan base, what are the expectations for the Chippewas heading into this season? You know, I'd be lying if I said that a championship wasn't the expectation. I mean, just look at what you're bringing back. You're bringing back the nation's number one rusher in Lou Nichols. You're bringing back Daniel Richardson, who, despite not starting the first four games, you know, he's right around the top of the Mac and touchdown passes. I believe he was second with 24. And again, this is the first four games. The first four games, he's coming off the bench, right? He got like one or two series a game up until that Florida International game. Um, Really good season from him. Um, You look at the offensive line, you're losing your two bookend tackles, but the core of that line is the center, Jamez Kimbrough. He's coming back. And then outside, out wide, you're going to have plenty of weapons as well. Um, Dallas Dixon's coming back. You know, I know they're really excited about Carlos Carrier coming in as a transfer from Maryland. He's 6'5". He's a big-bodied receiver who's done it um, in the Big Ten for the last few years. So offensively, there's some firepower. But at the same time, this is something that might not work. You're losing a lot of experience on that defensive side of the ball. So, um, you know, heading into year four with Jim McElwain, obviously they want to win a championship. That's the expectation, but you know, there are a lot of questions right now. Good stuff there. Um, and I, I just want to say real quick for the listeners, uh, you know, CMU life, 
Uh, it's probably one of the better, you know, like on campus, you know, publications. They got a pretty good website, real easy to search. So, um, you know, give them a follow, you know, go through, read some of their stuff, uh, real good stuff. It's sometimes hard to get like team specific Mac news if you don't know where to look. So if you're looking for Central Michigan news, obviously here at Hustle Bell, but also CMU Life, uh, very good as well. Um, so on offense, you talked a little bit about it now, you know, Pimpleton is gone with the lions. Raymond's gone. Luke Godkey is gone from the offensive line third in a Mac in total offense last year, second in passing, you know, you spoke a little bit about Carlos carrier. Um, you know, then you got the transfer coming in from ball state. Is this Jalen Magali? Is this just kind of a point where it's, you know, like with Mac it's just expected, you know, we're going to reload, so to speak. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for the kind words regarding CM Life. Um, you know, I'm just the latest in a long list of dedicated people to come through the sports department. You know, guys like Evan Petzl and Andy McDonald, um, they showed me what it means to be dedicated. Um, and so I'm just hoping to follow in their path. Um, but, you know, I, I do. I think that in terms of on offense, you want to be able to reload, especially when you've got that core of talent and the, the recruited guys, you know, guys like D. Rich and Lou Nichols who have really blossomed into the players that McElwain wanted them to be when he recruited them as part of his first recruiting class. Um, at the same time, I think that it's kind of twofold. I think that while uh, McElwain obviously wants to bring in the talent, I think part of it is the fact that the way they play on offense and how wide open they are, you know, they throw to the sidelines a lot, kind of that zone run scheme. I think part of it is people just come here. They want to play. They want to play in that offensive scheme. Um, you know, you're going to have a little bit of a new look with Paul Petrino calling the shots as opposed to Kevin Barbe, Charlie Fry the last couple of years. Um, but I think that at its core, the offense is going to be a lot of the same stuff. You're going to see guys running backs trying to get to the edge. You're going to see a lot of, you know, mid-level throws, you know, trying to get the ball over the middle of the field. And then, um, you know, don't discount the impact uh, that Dracory Sullivan had on this offense. That's a guy who you could line up in one-on-one -on -one coverage uh, and throw it to him on third down and seven, and he could win, you know, 90% of that time just because of how big and physical he was. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm the, the way you're looking at the roster, you're thinking that maybe Carrier um, could kind of pick up the slack with what they're losing. Or a guy like Finn Hogan, uh, who was supposed to play a pretty big role before he broke his collarbone in the season opener. I like Finn Hogan a lot. You know, he's a Northern Michigan kid, big kid, was very good in high school in track. Um, I believe he had some offers to go run track collegiately at the Division One level, comes to CMU as a walk-on and wins over his coaches, uh, wide receiver coach Elvin Slaughter really spoke highly of him before the injury. Um, but no, to speak to your question about the transfers, I do. I think that it's an attractive style of play. You know, they've upgraded the facilities here with the champion center and that offense, man. They just, with the way McElwain has structured it here, they're putting up points. I believe it was 32, 34 points a game last year. You know, you're looking at 400 yards of total offense every time you step on the field. It's just a very attractive thing, but then again, that doesn't happen without the players. So I do, I believe it's kind of a symbiotic relationship between McElwain looking for guys who can make it happen and maybe players like a, like a Jalen McGahee who was at Ball State um, did some good things. I remember they came to Kelly Shorts in 2020 and he lit, he lit up CMU. Uh, I think he had two touchdowns that game. Um, so that probably stuck in the back of his mind. Yeah. And just the talented guys who maybe not have gotten the chance to play the way they want to play. They come to CMU and they make it happen. Yeah, certainly. It uh, seems like that seems to be kind of like the MO at the Mac in the Mac in general right now, where like guys, guys go to a power five program, maybe they don't get the reps they like and, and they, they, are, they end up in the Mac and they, they end up doing really well. I think uh, you spoke to that, you know, a lot of times that, uh, you know, Central Michigan and Jim McElwain's had success with that. 
Let's talk, you know, so we, we've talked to, you know, about the offensive line, the receivers, uh, and, and, you know, how they're going to replace Pimpleton and some of those guys. But let's let's talk about a little bit about the run game here, uh, Christian, because you mentioned, obviously, Moon Nichols, an incredible season last year, 1,800 yards, leads the country in rushing. Now, if we would have been having this conversation two or three weeks ago, we would have been talking about how you have not only Lou Nichols, but also Kobe Lewis coming back off of an injury. But then just last week, you know, Kobe Lewis, you know, he transfers to Purdue. He's, he's no longer in Mount Pleasant. Is there a second running back you see that'll be get some get some run, maybe give a little bit of a change of pace? Or is it really going to just be, you know, is, is Lou Nichols going to be the workhorse this year? Yeah, certainly. So I'm going to give you two. Um, the first one is Marion Lukes. He was the kick returner. Um, you know, he ran back that big kick against Eastern in the season finale. He kind of got the sense that he was due. He'd have some good returns, uh, would always come up. You know, he couldn't get past the last guy or whatever, but finally put it together in that last game and had a huge return. Ended up being a third-team all-MAC return guy. They want to get the ball in his hands a little bit more. And the problem that, you know, you face when you've got two guys like Nichols and Lewis is there's only one football, right? Yeah. And so you're, you're talking about – Spring camp, McElwain kind of gave us the indication that maybe they wouldn't be going with a traditional two running back scheme as opposed to playing one in the slot, maybe doing some jet sweeps, throwing him the ball. Um, but with Lewis leaving for Purdue, first of all, congratulations. That's a heck of an opportunity to go play in the Big Ten. Second of all, it kind of opens it up. And then, the, if, you know, if not, if it's not Luke's, it's probably going to be Miles Bailey who's another guy who played a little bit last year as a freshman, more of a traditional downhill runner, got good speed, uh, can catch it out of the flat. A little bit as well. Just going to be interesting to see what kind of load they give Lou Nichols, man. I mean, you're looking at a guy who's probably going to be a consensus top five, top seven running back prospect heading into next year. I know a lot of the major outlets like him a lot. I know scouts like him a lot. Um, but yeah, I would expect him to certainly do a lot of the carrying. But you know, we go back to that offense, right? With Jim McElwain, they've always had a 1A and 1B. Um, last year that didn't happen. They were planning for it to happen with Lewis and Nichols, obviously the same thing this year. And, you know, with Nichols getting as much run as he did, he had that breakout year. Can he do it two years in a row? I don't know. Offensive line, not as experienced this year, going to be difficult, but I certainly would expect either, uh, Luke's or Bailey to kind of be that, that second guy. And you could even maybe go three headed monster as well. Yeah, I was surprised when he entered the transfer portal himself, you know, there uh, early in the offseason. I thought he'd be a guy that looked to transfer up. So that was a big get to have him come back to Central yes. Michigan. Um, but, you know, all this offensive talk, but the Central Michigan defense was 11th in the MAC last year in pass defense, you know, 262.8 yards per game against him. Gage Kresge, Troy Harrison, they're gone. What's the outlook for the defense this year? I mean, the offense, you know, it's it's looking okay from what we're hearing, but what's the outlook for the defense? Well, those are two great names that you brought up, by the way, uh, when you're talking about guys they're going to have to replace. Troy Harrison is a heck of an edge rusher. He's top 10 in CMU history in sacks, and that's a guy who started his college career in the equipment room being an equipment manager. Um, so that, I mean, undersized as he may have been, um, can't say enough good things about, you know, getting to know Troy Harrison through the media setting and um, just watching him work. It was incredible. And it's really the same conversation with Gage Kresge comes to CMU as a walk on, plays his way on to scholarship through special teams. And by his senior year, he's doing big things. You know, I think at edge rusher, they're a little bit deeper. You talk about guys like Thomas Incombe and, and Laquan Johnson, if, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy and put together a full year because, that's a talented player. And you saw a little bit of it way back in his first year when they, 
kind of redshirted him and then let him just cut loose with that new redshirt rule. Let's say he could play four games. They sat him the first eight and then cut him loose, and he did some pretty big things. Um, so those are two guys I would watch out for. But I think that secondary is a huge, huge question. It might be the difference between whether or not this team's able to reach its goals, personally. Um, you're losing Kresge, but you're also losing Devonnie Reed and Alonzo McCoy. I mean, that's your core right there. You've got two safeties and a nickel that you're losing. Um, you know, you bring back Dante Kent on one corner. You bring back Rulian Sturkey, who was a safety before last year. Maybe he slides back there now. Um, you know, they got Dante Kent's brother, Ronald Kent, coming in from Western Carolina as a transfer. He's going to be a, a pretty big get. And can, you could probably plug him in at corner as well. But after that, man, I mean, that safety depth is something that's going to really come into question here. You're talking about guys like Nari Biggins, maybe, who was um, redshirted a year ago. Trey Jones has gotten experience. He's headed into year four here. Obviously, when you're playing behind McCoy, Reed, Kresge, you don't have to do much. But now it's kind of going to be his show back there, you'd have to imagine. Um, Darius Bracey leaving hurt him back there. You know, he went and started at corner, moved to running back, then came back, was going to play safety. That didn't work out. Um, and, yeah, just a lot of youth back there now. Uh, and how you combat that and you find places for everybody is going to really determine – how this goes. If you remember beginning of the year last year, it was not good in that secondary. And that's a lot of the reason why they finished 11th because you know what Dante Kent kind of found it at the end of the year, um, you know, had a really good finish to the year, but at first they were, he was a target. You, you remember what Tyrese Chambers did to CMU when he came into Kelly shorts. You remember, I think it's Deion Smith and LSU. It was just ugly in the secondary, but you know, they figured it out. And I think that Mike Zordich is a good secondary coach and, I'm expecting big things from Dante Kent. I'm expecting big things from his brother, but that safety position is a huge question mark. Yeah, it really is. And uh, I think that's, if, if I have one question about the, the Chippewas this year, I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. This, uh, this, you know, Christian, this next question here, this is, I guess, more of a, of a big picture, more of a long-term question as opposed to this specific season. But, you know, we're, we're, we're entering year four with, with Jim McElwain up there in Mount Pleasant. Obviously, um, the, the Mac is, is well known for being used as kind of a stepping stone for coaches going up back up to, you know, to a, you know, a power five job or whatever. Obviously, McElwain has that pedigree of having been at Florida previously. Do you have a sense or is there a sense of, you know, another another successful season or two here at, at Central Michigan? Like, do you, do you see McElwain looking elsewhere? Do you feel like another successful year and he might get poached by a bigger program? Or just, is there a sense that he's, you know, going to be in Mount Pleasant there for the long haul? I think the option's always on the table, really. You talk about Jim McElwain. He's a talented coach. He's coached in the SEC. I think that if the right program were to say, hey, we want to get a little bit you know, older, get a guy who's had experience coaching at this level, and then I think Jim McElwain fits that. I do think that a lot of college football right now is trying to get younger at the coaching position. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at a lot of these young coaches, uh, you know, who come in with these crazy offensive schemes and they're hanging 40 a game. Then again, McElwain's done that. So if you want a guy who knows his offense, knows his quarterbacks, and can still put up offense like that, maybe they give him a shot. I know that his kind of – the way things are trending right now is, you know, when he retires, he wants to go out back out west where he's from. He's from Montana. He wants to go back out that way. I tend to think that, like, if a Washington State opened up, you know, something mm. in that area, that might be a little more attractive for him. But – Part of me also says, why not just stick around, and try to build a dynasty here? Why not try to run the table in the Mac and just be somebody that everybody's scared of? He talks about 
when teams come to Kelly Short Stadium, he, he wants them to fear coming to Mount Pleasant, to fear playing the Chippewas when they're at home. And part of me just thinks, why not just let that thing ride? You know, why not just build this culture and then continuously build it up, build it up, build it up? You know, may not get to a level of a Cincinnati where they're stacking 12 and 0 seasons back to back to back. But I mean, who knows? You know, so it's kind of it's kind of twofold in that aspect. I think that there's all ab- options are still on the table. But, you know, part of me tends to think that, you know, when he talks about how much he likes it, part of me tends to think that, you know, it's not just trying to sell the program. Part of me believes that it's just, you know, he genuinely means it. And you see it in the reaction when they won the Sun Bowl. Um, I think this is a place he's truly happy at. And I would not be surprised in the least if he sticks around, signs another contract and, and tries to let this thing run. And, you know, as far as like the Michigan Mac schools, I mean, you know, no offense to Mount Pleasant, but you're kind of up there in Northern Michigan. It's probably the closest to some of those, you know, like out West, you know, like the, uh, the Wyoming type, um, you know, communities. So I'm, I'm a big Eastern Michigan guy and, you know, like we play for the Michigan, you know, Mac trophies and a lot of Eastern fans say, Oh, central is our biggest rival. I just have to ask, do this central Michigan fans or, you know, like, I mean, really around the program, is there a sense that the Eastern game is a rivalry or is it just kind of not really much of a rivalry? Well, here's my take on that. And, you know, they, Obviously, the the Western thing is a different level. I mean, having it's been tough because, you know, I'm headed into my fourth year of college and we've had one Central Michigan home game and it was COVID. Nobody could go to it. Right. And then you had two with Western and one of them was on a Wednesday. So, I mean, you know, my dad was a CMU guy. You talk about Western weekend. I've never experienced that in my life. Um, aside from when I went down, it was one of my first writing assignments, not to get off on too much of a tangent, but one of my first writing assignments was to just go investigate the rivalry. I did kind of a man on the street thing. It's a lot of fun. Um, as a freshman, it was kind of intimidating guys were cussing at me and stuff like that. Um, but no, I, I'm going to be honest with you here. And this is kind of a gripe that I have, you know, I, I tend to not be too opinionated just because I like to stay unbiased, but I think one of the worst things for the Eastern central rivalry is the fact that it's played on like black Friday the last game of the year, I think that's awful because it it really downplays the fact that, you know, Eastern is a rival too. And because there's no students on campus, you know, there's no place for them to stay. They shut the dorms down. Nobody can go to the game. Um, You know, last year I had the pleasure of experiencing it as a fan with my dad. There's nobody in the stands and you you can make the weather argument, but it's black Friday. These people have spent the whole, the whole semester away from their families. They want to go home. And it's just unfortunate that we can't get that game on a Saturday uh, because then I think that the rivalry aspect, it would really shine through. But because they play this game on the Friday at noon, nobody's on campus. It just doesn't have that luster and that appeal of a Western Michigan on a Wednesday night national TV. Um, So I wouldn't say that they're not like, I do think there's a rivalry aspect there. I think you saw a little bit of that with how chippy the game was last year, but it just doesn't get the same amount of fanfare because nobody can come to the game. That's a great point you make about I, – I, I never I, – I always think of it of like they give it the spotlight on, on Black Friday. But, but you're right. With no students on campus, the atmosphere certainly – that takes away from the atmosphere a lot. And mm-hmm. I, I certainly – I get where you're coming from. I never thought about it from that perspective. But that makes a lot of sense. Um, last question for me here, Christian. I, know, I think I think Vansy will have one more for you as well. But, you know, we, we've talked a lot on the show these last couple of weeks about – um, the how how good the the West division is in the oh, back. Yeah. You got 
Toledo it always has a talented roster. Obviously, Northern Illinois coming off that uh, incredible run last year in, in the MAC championship. And then Central Michigan, you got you right there as well. Um, even Eastern and Western, I, mean, I think I think Western, you know, they they lose a good bit, but but there's still there's a lot of good programs there uh, in the West. What what is your sense of obviously, you know, you think back to last year, so many coin flip games. Uh, you know that, that that Northern Illinois game comes yeah. to mind. Do, do you what are your thoughts on um, what do you what do you feel the chances are for the Chippewas this year coming out of that West Division getting that bid to Fort Field? You know, I think they're due. I mean, how many years in a row we had a different team in the, from the MAC West in yeah. the MAC Championship game? I mean, Central's there what three years ago now, but still, you're looking at. You know, I was just having a conversation with our play-by-play guy Adam Jackson, and it's like. Every team except for Central Michigan and Eastern Michigan has won either a, um, a MAC football championship or made it to the NCAA tournament in the last, I think, 20 years. And Central and Eastern are one of two that haven't. I think it was 15, actually. But regardless, Central Michigan is due, right? But at the same time, that doesn't really win you games, right? Sitting there and thinking, oh, we're due. Uh, they've certainly got the talent to do it, right? They've got the talent to do it. Are they going to put those questionable pieces together? Is the secondary going to hold up? You return into two redshirt freshmen at tackle, Braden Sword out, Davis Heinzen. Are they going to hold up? Um, you know, what does the wide receiver, Ken Carlos Carrier, can he live up to the hype? You know, who's going to replace Khalil Pimpleton? There's just so many questions. It's tough to tell. Um, as for maybe a team like Toledo, there's, they're a little more set in stone. Um, and Toledo is always the preseason favorite. I personally yeah. don't see it. I think right now it's a toss-up between Central Michigan and Toledo this year. You know, I, I don't like being a homer. I don't like drinking the Kool-Aid, but you just have to think, if not this year, when? Um, because they have the pieces to do it, and assuming everybody stays healthy, I think they're going to be pretty dangerous on offense. It's just a matter of whether the defense can get enough stops. And so right now I do. I think that they're the favorite to get there. Um, but, again, a lot of questions, a lot of questions. Yeah, we have a, a running dialogue about just how Toledo seems to always win the offseason or yeah. up until, you know, up until the, the championship. And it's it's across multiple sports that it kind of just, you know, keeps mm-hmm. ongoing. I don't know how they are so consistent in that aspect. So my my last question, um, and I think it's a good one to end on, is, you know, say, you know, me and uh, Zach are making a trip up the Mount Pleasant. I've made the trip several times, you know, had some friends who went there different things, but what is, you know, like if I'm coming up there and I'm a visitor from out of town, where should I go for food, beverage? Like what is the, the, you know, can't miss Mount Pleasant spot? Well, I'm still only 20 years old. I'll be 21 in July, July 9th, by the way, just about three weeks away. So I'm excited about that. Um, so I can't speak too much to the, to the beverage part of it. Um, but you know, through circles, I've heard that the bird is a nice place. I know a lot of like the college kids go to O'Kelly's, um, but you know, the, the bird is more of a local spot. Um, it's a little more low key. As for food, I got two places for you. And I hope, I hope, I hope this doesn't get me in trouble with fans, but I got two spots that I enjoy a lot. Um, one is dog central. It's the hot dog place on campus uh, downtown. Really like that place a lot. Um, and then the cabin. I love the cabin. They've got great food there. Um, pizza is outstanding. Uh, personally, I think that's probably my favorite place. Like if I want to go and I want to have like a meal, I'm a big pizza guy and I love the cabin. Um, and then, you know, if I'm looking to mess around, get a hot dog, uh, dog central's the place. And, you know, there's a lot of good spots around town. It's just that those two are probably my favorites. 
definitely gonna have to check them out uh you know yeah. i mean not not this black friday but probably next black friday when uh eastern michigan will undoubtedly be again playing on black friday yeah really yeah. too bad i'm the type of guy like, i could eat pizza breakfast lunch and dinner every day so that that might be the spot i have to check out if and when i make it up to mount pleasant so um that'll wrap it up for us here i christian we, we really appreciate your time and time we really this was great uh, always, always fun to talk to Chippewa football. Season's right around the corner. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Bill. We may, we may have to have you back on here come, uh, come season. Come season. Hey, listen, anytime. I can talk about CMU football, basketball, whatever. I can talk about it for hours. I just, I've, since I've gotten on campus here, I've, I've dove in head first and I've tried to fill my, my head with as much knowledge. So anytime I can share it and talk to somebody about it as opposed to talking to myself um, is a great opportunity. So thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate you stopping by this week, Christian. And uh, folks, that'll wrap it up for our episode here this week, episode 101 of the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast. Thank you, as always, for stopping by. Thank you, uh, Christian Brewer, for stopping by as well. Again, Christian, the sports editor at CM Life up there in Mount Pleasant, the student-run uh, newspaper. If you're not following him, if you're not following CM Life already, you should do so. That'll wrap it up for us here this week. Thanks, as always, for stopping by, folks. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next Friday.